Welcome to our podcast. I'm Pastor Mark Foss. What would it be like to be the greatest at something? For most of us, it's only something that we can try to imagine. Or is it? Today, Jesus shares with us some words about greatness. Greatness in the eyes of God. Our sermon today is based on Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 37. Our message is entitled, Turning Greatness Upside Down. May God bless you as you hear and take to heart the truths of his holy word. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, to him be power and glory forever and ever. Amen. I invite you to Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 37, our sermon text this morning. They, that is Jesus and his disciples, went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know this because he was teaching his disciples. He told them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. But three days after he is killed, he will rise. But they did not understand the statement and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the way? But they remained silent because on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. Jesus sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he will be the last of all and the servant of all. Then he took a little child and placed him in their midst. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not just me, but also him who sent me. The words of our Lord. My dear family in Christ, after a year-long delay, thanks to COVID, the recent Summer Olympics were a welcome sight in the minds of many. For better than two weeks, the greatest athletes in the world competed against one another to see who could run the fastest, who could swim the fastest, who could jump the highest, who could gain the highest score, score in an all-around gymnastic competition. And it was all in pursuit of that ever-elusive, highly coveted gold medal. That's hard to even imagine, isn't it? To be considered one of the greatest in the world at something. Or to be in a conversation about who is the proverbial goat, the greatest of all time. Greatness was on the minds of Jesus' disciples one day as they traveled along on the road to Capernaum. But like so many, their idea of real greatness was not what it ought to have been. And so here our great Savior teaches us about turning greatness upside down. And in order to do that, Jesus directs our attention, first of all, to the cross. And second of all, to a little child. 
The truth of the matter is that before too long, Jesus was going to do more than just teach his disciples about true greatness. He was going to show them that true greatness in the eyes of God comes from humbly submitting to God's will and then serving others in unconditional and self-sacrificing love. And so Jesus told them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him. But three days later, the three days after he is killed, he will rise. They did not understand this statement and were afraid to ask him about it. Why didn't they understand that? What was so difficult about what Jesus said to understand? Well, for one thing, this was an unpleasant, horrible thing for them to have to think about their, their friend, their Lord, their Savior being put to death at the hands of his enemies. No one likes to dwell on things that aren't pleasant. But was it maybe also because this didn't seem to jibe with their definition of greatness? I mean, think about this. What do you suppose that the 12 disciples admired most about Jesus, their friend and their Savior? His perfect love, his perfect wisdom, his perfect knowledge, his patience, his kindness, his understanding? Sure, all of that and more. But what about those miracles? Imagine for a moment what it must have been like to have been one of the twelve to be there watching right before your very eyes as Jesus is walking on top of the water, as he changes water into wine, as he heals a man who's been blind from birth, as he drives out a demon by simply speaking the word, as he raises the dead back to life. Imagine what it must have been like to have been there to witness that firsthand, how it must have left the disciples just looking at Jesus and saying, Lord, that was great. Betrayed? Killed? When they knew full well that Jesus had the almighty power to do anything, they couldn't understand why he wouldn't use that almighty power to prevent those kinds of things. Betrayed and killed, Jesus, that doesn't sound at all like the, the greatness that we would expect from you. They didn't understand. You know, friends, conventional wisdom will never comprehend the greatness of what Jesus Christ did for the world at the cross. Conventional wisdom will never understand why it's so great that Jesus was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And we ought to expect that. The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. That was a place of torture. That was a place where they punished the worst of criminals. How could we glory in that cross? I wonder, sometimes do we lose track of the greatness of the cross too? You know, when we feel as though we know better than God does and dare to advise him, or when we downplay the seriousness of the sins that we've committed. Or when we vainly imagine that there is something that we could do for God to make up for the sins that we've committed. There isn't. 
or when we begin to imagine that we can be good enough people to get into heaven with our behavior. And when we think those kinds of things, we end up minimizing the greatness of this message of the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank God that the Holy Spirit has taught us to know better than that, even when we momentarily forget it. But the disciples didn't understand, at least not yet. By God's grace, we do. The message of the cross is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The cross is our life. The cross is the perfect picture of greatness because by means of that one life given and that punishment that paid for the whole world, we have been set free from our sin forever. Satan has no more claim on you, dear Christian. Your grave will not be the end of the story. Christ's sacrificial death in your place and his glorious resurrection are the only way for sinners to be declared not guilty in the presence of their holy God. By the cross, we are saved. So it was that the Lord Jesus set his own glory aside. He became a lowly servant to rescue us. You talk about greatness being upside down. This is the almighty Son of God through whom all things were created, the one who listened to the praise of the the choirs of angels in heaven, who set that aside and stepped into this world to become a lowly servant, to suffer even death on a cross. You know, in the very next chapter in, in Mark's Gospel, Jesus said this about himself. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And in so doing, Jesus has taught us about real greatness. If anyone wants to be first, he will be the last of all and the servant of all. Catch that? In the eyes of God, true greatness comes from serving others in humble faith. The Bible encourages us as Christians to put the good of others ahead of our own good. Now, that doesn't come naturally, of course. Our egos make us yearn to be first. We get annoyed when we have to wait our turn or stand in a long line or play second fiddle. We fume in life when someone else gets recognized for what they've done and no one seems to notice what we've done. Nice guys finish last, we complain. Be last. The servant of all. This is upside down from everything that our selfish world is all about. And we fret and we figure this is never going to work. But when we think that way, we fail to take God at his word and and trust this promise. If anyone wants to be first, he will be the last of all and the servant of all. True greatness comes through humble, selfless service. And friends, we're only going to come to understand that when we look at Jesus with the eyes of faith, see him giving himself up for us there at the cross, when we see what he did to save us, then our understanding of what it really means to be great comes into vision. And that's when we'll fight off that sinful nature inside of us. And with spirit work power, say no to the temptations that lurk within. That's when we'll reject that that sinfulness, that selfishness inside of us that wants nothing but personal gain and adoring praise. Then we will put ourselves 
freely at the service of others in gratitude because of what Jesus has done for us. In order to drive this truth home about true greatness, Jesus uses a second object lesson to teach about real greatness. He calls on a little child. The disciples seem to have think that their petty argument that took place on the road to Capernaum had escaped Jesus' notice. They were wrong. What were you arguing about on the way? Jesus asked, but they remained silent. Why? Because on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. What were you arguing about? Well, they're the question of Jesus is met with silence. The disciples were feeling ashamed of themselves. We've been there too, right? Said things, done things that have reduced us to shameful silence. Jesus didn't want to leave his disciples there. This was a teachable moment. And so the master teacher placed a little child in their midst. And he took this little child in his holy arms and he said to the disciples, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not just me, but also him who sent me. Let this little child teach you about what it means to be truly great in the eyes of God, Jesus said. Talk about greatness being upside down. Great? A little toddler? How so? Well, well, for one thing, a little child teaches us something because of its unassuming nature. Okay, so suppose that you're the parents of this little boy that Jesus had stand among the disciples. Your little child loves you unconditionally. It, it doesn't care whether you're rich or whether you're poor, whether you have $200 in the bank or $200,000. It, it doesn't care how nice a house you live in, doesn't care what you do for a living. A little child isn't concerned with putting on airs or impressing anyone, nor does it spend day and night fretting about things that are entirely out of its control. That little child just trusts mom and dad. Let's not kid ourselves, friend. There's a lot that we can learn from little children. Trusting, unassuming. But a little child can also serve as an example of greatness in the eyes of God because of the way in which it is served. That little child is completely dependent upon mom and dad or its guardians to meet its every need. So what happens? You feed the child, you change the child, you dress the child, you put a roof over that child's head. But you don't send your child a bill, do you? Why not? Well, for one thing, because you're doing it out of love, not to get paid. For another thing, you understand that that little child could never possibly repay you. And so there you are. Every day, you worked, you provided, you loved unconditionally, you sacrificed, and often did so without so much as even a quick thank you. And why? Because you love that child and want only what is best for him. You put your child first and yourself last, and you served. And there's Jesus' point. When we serve each other that way, 
in Jesus' name, he says. That is for no other reason than that we love Jesus and appreciate what he's done for us. No ulterior or selfish motives. When we simply serve others out of love for Jesus, then we are great in the eyes of our God. So, kids, you want to be great in God's eyes? Don't argue about who gets to sit where when you get into the car. Don't argue about who gets to go first. Just be humble. Put others first. Husbands and wives, be great in the name of Jesus. Ask yourself every single day, how can I honor Jesus in the way that I serve my better half today? Workers on the, on the job. It means working at your job with all your heart, serving honestly and ethically, ethically as one working for the Lord and not for men, being, being a team player. In all things, putting the good of others ahead of your own good. I mean, living life, looking for little ways to show grace, to show kindness, to show mercy to others out of love for the Lord who has given you heaven itself. Becoming great by serving others from a position of humble lowliness. Reminds you of Jesus, right? Upside down service. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The eternal Son of God lowered himself even to death on a cross to serve us to save us. And in so doing, not only has he won an eternal paradise for us, but he has completely redefined for us what it means to be great in the eyes of God. This precious Savior has transformed our mindset from selfish ambition to selfless serving out of love for him. Let Jesus teach you what it really means to be great in the eyes of God. And let him remind you of that day after day as you look into his word and believe his promises because his idea of greatness is completely upside down from the world's concept of greatness. If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. And Jesus says, I know it seems upside down, but that's what it means to be great in the eyes of God. Amen.